Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to another Real Nerds Podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. We are live on the showroom floor with author extraordinaire, and I'm going to have her introduce herself to you. So, um, so I, she'll do herself a favor by being awesome in the introduction. Hi Welcome. everyone, I am Daisha M. Arnold. I am a Denver author of dystopian mom fiction. So imagine Divergence, uh, but the mom saves the world. Set here in Denver, um, a lot of the DIA conspiracy about a hidden city underneath the airport. Um, Does Lucifer play a role in your books? Zero roles. Zero? There is a lot of mention of the ridiculous art <laughs> at DIA. Isn't it weird? We live Bizarre. in... We have the weirdest airport. Like, it's so nice when you're inside, but what's up with, like, the gargoyle who looks at you and talks to you, and I have no idea what's up with DIA. So it's really interesting. I have actually gone and had uh, cocktails in the hotel that looks like a giant U. Yeah. It's very interesting. A lot of my second book uh, takes place in that hotel. Um, so I've heard some stories from the people that work in the hotel that there are these fluid spikes in between the hotel and the actual uh, security terminal. And they are just somebody's art. And it's supposed to uh, resemble wheat, like the flowing of wheat in the wind. Uh, but really, they're just all these metal spikes that move. It's strange. You know, it's it's not that unusual. I mean, did you grow up here? Were you around when they were building DIA? No, I actually am a transplant. That's all right. There's millions of you now. No, um, <laughs> but uh, my dad worked uh, helped with the baggage system, and when it was opening, the baggage system was a problem. And lately, they had to put the new train in, and so they had to dig up, like, the sculpture underneath or something, and it's just a weird airport. Does he know about the second level? I don't know. I've oh, never asked him. I'm going to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. What is the second level? So the second level apparently is where all the baggage, um, 
uh, conveyor belt. Sorry, I'm not going to word very good today. It's all right. So the, all the, there's like these crazy system of baggage conveyor belts on the second level. Theoretically, no one's allowed in there. Weird. They won't open the door. There's no cameras. No one talks about it. See, that's why the, everyone thinks there's like aliens underneath DIA. There was also an aerial view when the airport was being built of these buildings underneath the ground. And then a few days later, it was covered up. Like the ground, they just mowed over the buildings wow. that were below surface level. So there's um, so there's also Rocky Mountain Arsenal. Yep. Which is about, I'd say about five miles from yep. uh, the airport proper. And it's a wildlife preserve. Um, but it's also Rocky Mountain Arsenal. So. That whole area, something's not right. So weird. I live there. Oh, <laughs> but you know what? It's beautiful. It is. <laughs> um, oh, I mean. Yeah. yeah no, it's great. No, it's, no it's, it's funny. You know, you always talk to people who fly into here. I, you know, they don't realize how far the airport is from everything outside of the outside of the city. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's, they, they had to put it out there. So the city doesn't bother, uh, the airport doesn't bother the city folk, but it's really strange because we had a far, we, I say, cause I didn't live here then, but there was a functional airport in yeah. Stapleton and there was nothing logistically wrong with the, no, Stapleton I think he's wanted a modern international one is I think, the end game for it yeah with a city underneath and yeah fallout for yeah for some weird reason people for some weird reason. yeah so what gave you the idea for your book um uh, so at the time i was writing my book there was a show on called revolution and in this tv yeah. show um it, it's a future dystopia where no electricity worked and i loved this, this concept and then as an adult, I read a bunch of Divergent, Hunger Games, Maze Runner, Miss Peregrine School for Peculiar Children. And I loved the, the YA action and how it was fast paced and you never really got a break. And, uh, but I was looking for something I could relate to as an adult with a mortgage and a job and kids. And I couldn't find it, so I decided to write it. Nice. And were you a writer beforehand or how did you fall into the novel? Oh, so my... I'm a daddy's girl, but my dad was gone a lot of the time when I was younger. He was um, in the Army and retired 24 years as a sergeant major. Oh. So when I became of age, I went on this soul-searching journey to find out where my dad had been my entire adult life. So I joined the Army and went to war a couple times and built this, um, like something me and my father had in common to bridge this gap that I was missing as a kid. So then when he got, when he retired out of the military, he finally published a book that he had been working on since high school. Wow. Yes. So I, when I got out of the military, I was working night shift and I was reading all these books and I was like, you know, dad wrote this book and if dad can do it, I can do it. And then I did it, but it turns out um, that the success from my dystopian novel really like overshadowed my dad's lifelong dream to become published and it drove a wedge in between our relationship mm. so it's like it's it's a double-edged sword of you know um maintaining my dad's ego as well as i just wanted to be like you yeah you know? but isn't he proud of his daughter for being able to publish a book and have it popular i i have a huge smile on my face but i don't know the answer to that oh. question okay sorry um <laughs> so back to DIA. <laughs> Let's go. No, uh, well, thanks for your service. Of um, and that's uh, interesting. Were you ever trained? Um, 
to write books or it's just you were such no. a fan that you understood how to write one? No, I actually only have a GED. So I joined the military back during uh, the search when George Bush sent everyone to war. So I spent 15 months working in Baghdad emergency room mm. um, as an emergency room tech and saw crazy, crazy things. Um, and I later like really got into HR and doing paperwork because at that point, anything, any trauma that I'd see after that wouldn't come close to what I experienced. So I get really good at paperwork and I'll let the new soldiers like go get their boots bloody and I would, you know, write their reviews and do their training and stuff like that. It was completely okay being a supervisor. Um, but I re got really good um, at self-checking my stuff before I send it to the commander to send it back down. Another funny story, my company commander from Baghdad ER owns Bleeding Ink Publishing, and he's an author row, um, I think, Booth 21. Wow. Yes, and this was over like a decade and a half ago. Wow. Yeah, so he continues to be a mentor to me as an author, and as well as back then as a soldier. You said this is your first con that you've been to? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is the con treating you? I am having a great time. I've been super busy talking to some amazing people. I'm sitting on panels. I'm meeting like uber famous people that I have stalked for <laughs> weeks. <laughs> and then I'm meeting these people in person. I'm like, I know that you went to Africa 12 years ago. <laughs> and when you say that to them, what's their response? Uh, they just think it's cute, I hope. <laughs> like, I'm, oh. I'm being weird. I just wanted to get make sure that I didn't make a fool out of myself asking you <laughs> some silly question. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, do you have, you, you said you're working on another book or is your other book already out? I'm always working on books, but I just got, uh, came out with one on Tuesday. Oh, wow. I did. Yeah. It's a collection of just a bunch of short stories, fiction, nonfiction. There's some poetry in there. I wrote a couple plays. The thing is, I will go into any project not anticipating to fail. So if it's good enough, I'll keep it. But then I also am a perfectionist. So if I get to the end and I feel like I'm not going to make it or it's not going to be okay, then I'll quit because quitting is far less embarrassing than failing. If that makes any sense. No, that's 100% uh. correct. I agree. 100%. <laughs> so when you, I mean, I guess I don't understand because I'm not a writer, uh, the, the, Young adult books are really popular, but they're not oh. just a popular with uh, teenagers. They're also popular with adults. So how do you differentiate your book for more of an adult crowd to not the YA crowd? So I, this is a great question. Um, so YA dystopian novels specifically have a very specific formula. And it has to do with you're a normal person or the protagonist is a normal person going through this... Um, life that may not work for their better good but works for the good of most um, and then for some reason they are singled out they don't necessarily want it they go through a bunch of trials to get to where they need to be and then there is a point in time in every single YA dystopian book where you're like oh my goodness I have no idea how they're going to get out of this like how can they possibly survive and then they do and then at, at the end of the story it's like you know it's it's a happiest ending <laughs> yeah. for the most amount of people. It's funny. You just like blew my mind when you're describing that, that arc. I'm like, oh my gosh, 
Hunger Games, Mortal Engines. I'm just like following along. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it is really every just that? Every single one. But then everything is different. So like every like specific story. So with Divergent, she was in the military and, and went through these factions. In Hunger Games, it was like this uh, lottery. Um, in Maze Runner, they were a part of an experiment. And then they escaped the experiment and went back to the experiment. <laughs> eh. But it's it's this, like a similar formula, and then by the third book, you're just reading the first book for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> so, are, is your book going to be a series then? Mm-hmm. Um, and are you? And so, how do you plan that? How do you know when you're writing it that you're going to continue it? Does it come organically? Or is it very well planned out? So the very first book I wrote by the seat of my pants and I'm a pantser and just things just lay like came together on accident mostly. Um, But there is always like the big arc, the big story is the big war and the good guy versus the bad guy. The the individual stories are um, the good guy versus the immediate threat. Um, building up to the big boss at the end. Do you do you know how many books it's going to be? I, it's three. It's three. I'm a, so I'm <laughs> so my second book is with my publisher right now, and I'll get like random texts throughout the day, like "Oh my god, I hate you!" and <laughs> in a good way, in hate a, in a good way. Yes. So, is it hard then when you send a book in? that you know that they're going to have notes or are you prepared for that to do that or are you just put your foot down and say nope that's the book and that you're going to have to I, give it as I have is. apologized to my editor more times than I can count that I'm like this is garbage I know it's garbage like, <laughs> you need to fix this uh, I am absolutely open to suggestions especially being a new author I, I only started writing my first book that came out in uh, originally in December. I started writing that in uh, 2015. Wow, so that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's yeah. a fast trajectory. It is, and it's very, very not typical of authors. So, you know, then, I mean, I would say, well, what advice would you have to authors if it's not typical to get noticed that quickly? So I would recommend researching while you write. Um, learn if you if you've never written anything before. Learned absolutely everything that you can. I'm very fortunate in that I stumbled upon uh, organizations like the Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers, where there are these um, very very inspirational and successful authors willing to teach you if you can just humble yourself and sit at their feet and listen, and not only listen but observe and like soak everything up as a sponge. I also. Like I said, I had, a, I had a GED going into this. Um, back in 2015, I started um, college because I had writer's block. And I'm like, well, maybe if I learned more about writing, then I could finish this book. And I will finish next year with a bachelor's in English and wow. a 3.9 GPA. Wow. You are such a cool story. Yeah. That's awesome. I also have two small children who are six and two. And wow. I work full time. That you're crazy. I, you're crazy. I'm tired. I, I, it's, I, I, I have a four-year-old, and I uh, always say, they always ask me what the difference between being a parent and just being married is. I say, I'm tired all the time. All the time. And I can't describe the tired. It's just, mm. you know, when you sit at home and you just got off work and you're watching the Rockies and your kid's just jumping all over the place, and you realize, like, 40 minutes has passed. Yeah. And you go, oh, did I sleep? Did or was I, I just <laughs> not there? I don't brain know. brain was just... 
off, I don't know. Um, but also being in the military for so long, my entire adult life, um, you're constantly engaged because if you're not on on your toes at any given point in time, people die. Like yeah. it's it's intense. So transitioning uh, from the military to civilian life as a mother, you have to find things to occupy yourself, or else you really go crazy. So if I were bored, I would not be happy. And you think that's important for uh, military and veterans to find something that they like to help them in their process back to civilian life? Absolutely. One thing that you'll hear uh, like law enforcement and military talk about is this switch. So there's a switch to uh, uh, hypervigilance. So if I had the switch on as a civilian, like I would not be here. I could not handle the amount of people just coming in and out. Um, So as a mother, for example, my son is in kindergarten. Okay. Um, I'm a working mother and I sometimes don't get to make it to things. So when I am there, I have to make a conscious decision to sit in the front of the auditorium so my son can see that mom was there for this thing in my life versus sitting in the back next to the exit so I can scan the room for potential threats (laughs) and protect all these little people. So it's just, it's a balance. Yeah, I, I laugh uh, because uh, I'll let you in on a secret. My real job is I'm a cop. No, yeah, so you, you get it, you get it. So I, I totally. Uh, my my little boy had a performance at uh, his school, and he's in preschool, and I was still on duty, yeah. and so I stand in the back, and so no one can come from behind me, mm-hmm. and um, you know, my wife understands, but she doesn't understand. I said it's just you have to be constantly aware, and um, yeah, you have to know how to turn it off, and that's why I do stuff like this. Because if I didn't, um, I would not be a nice person. No, yeah, Because exactly. people are horrible. Because you're on your toes all Absolutely. the time. I have a friend who's a very tall, beautiful, blonde lady cop. And so we are... So kids, we're similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she will sit in the back and I know, I can see her scanning and I know in my head what she's doing. And then I have this guilt as a mother of like, I should be doing, I know better. Like, yeah. And I know how to react and I know what to do. But at the same, like I said, you got to, you got to know when to turn it off and when to give yourself a little grace too. Yeah. You know, that's advice I give every, uh, cause I, I'm an FTO, so I train new officers. Oh, I tell them all the time you got to find something because if you don't, you're going to turn to booze. You're going to turn to something oh, yeah. and you got to find that balance. And I told him too, I said, if you go to a call and it's driving you crazy um, and you're done, go park your car and hide somewhere Yeah, because you, you, you have to, because if the paperwork is the paperwork will take you away. Yeah. And I, I, that's really fascinating. And that's cool that you became an author be with that because the hyper vigilance never goes away. No. And you have to find a way to turn it off. Yeah. Very much so. Exactly. So where can we find you and where can we buy your book? Oh, you, first of all, you can find me and buy my books at DaciaMArnold.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at the same DaciaMArnold. Well, thank you for coming on our show. I really appreciate it. Your story is awesome. Hey, thanks. And thanks for all your hard work. And um, yeah, awesome. And so you made it. You made it through the con. I did. You made it through the interview. And you did very well. Oh, thank you. Um, and you only have, you know, just the medium size uh, Red Bull. And are you're back tomorrow? I am all weekend. You know, you'll uh, on Sunday around like 4 when it ends at 6, you'll be like, oh, my gosh, is it over with? I might be buzzed. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. And we'll be like, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Well, thank you hey, so thanks. much.
This has been another Real Nerds Podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. See you next year. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.